You are listening to the podcast of the Y Church of the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 1 for this last Sunday in this chapter. Erica is going to read for us as we follow along with Paul as he retells some of his story. Thank you, Erica, for reading. Galatians 1, 11 through 24. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might reach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Sicilia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Thank you, Erica. My parents, who are part of this church family, have been away on a road trip. And my mom checked in the other day with a text to our family text thread, so the kids and the grandkids who have phones. And she said, we're in northern Florida on our way home, and we're at 38 states in the license plate game. Any guesses where we'll end up by the time we get back? A prize will be awarded. So we all placed our bets, and we will see where they end up. Last night they were in Memphis, Tennessee, and they were at 43 as they make their way home. But I put a smile on my face just to get that message and be reminded of all of the times that we played the license plate game growing up on road trips. Every summer my parents would take my sister and I somewhere in the country on a cross-country road trip, pulling our little pop-up camper behind us. Our family vacations weren't fancy. We ate out of the cooler, and we'd pull over at rest stops to make a bologna sandwich, have some carrot sticks, chips, and yes, if you've had my dad as a Sunday school teacher, Oreo cookies were always part of the meal. But we covered a lot of ground in those trips over the years. If you know my parents, they don't tend to stand still for very long. I couldn't remember if I, forgive me if I've mentioned this once before, but by the time I was 18, I had been to 49 out of 50 states, seen through the windshield and camping along the way. And I realize now what a gift that was to my sister and I to see so many of these beautiful United States. Today we're going to talk about being on a journey, but not a road trip. We're going to talk about being on a faith journey. 
My contention is that every one of us is on a faith journey, whether you know it or not. You know, even an atheist is interacting with faith, making decisions about faith. So you're going somewhere in your relationship with God. The question is where and what are you seeing along the way? My hope is that you are seeing and experiencing some significant milestones, that there will be some defining moments in your life that are so important, they'll shape your destination and your day-to-day travel in getting there. Today in our scripture passage, Paul tells the Galatians about his faith journey, and he names some of the milestones that he has seen along the way. And for you and I, we're going to read this text from Paul and get to learn about things that apply to our own faith. So what I'd like to do in the time that we have today is touch first on the background about why Paul is telling his story, what was going on in Galatia and in the churches that were there, and then we're going to name a handful of principles that emerge from the text for our own faith journey. So we'll get started in the background. If you've been here the past couple of weeks, you remember that Paul is writing what we've called a pretty stern letter to these churches, a warning that he sent to the churches in a region called Galatia, churches that had started off strong and healthy, but were giving up the true gospel. That really is the heart of the issue in this letter. So last week, we spent some time defining the gospel and naming some false gospels that we run into today. Gospel, we said, means, the word means good news, and specifically the good news about Jesus. That in Jesus, the kingdom of God arrives on earth. Our king and our Lord is here. And this servant king gives his life on the cross to save us from sin. The gospel is good news for us, that we're made righteous before God in Christ. We are set free from sin to live lives of faith. Now, in Galatia, the false gospel that had grabbed a hold of the churches in that region was that in addition to Jesus, you also had to follow the Old Testament law. So, yes to Jesus, they still talked about him, but there were also certain rules that you had to follow in order to be accepted by God. And this was alarming to Paul. This is not the gospel of grace through faith. And so Paul writes this letter of all 13 of his letters that is most severe in tone. One of the problems that he's addressing in today's passage is that there were leaders who had given rise to this false gospel who now are also questioning Paul's pedigree. They're seeking to cast doubt on his apostleship. They're saying things like, well, Paul doesn't speak on authority that comes from God. He wasn't commissioned by God. But, you know, he had this experience and he went and just grabbed all this stuff from other people, from their accounts. And so that's why he says in verse 11 and 12, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And what follows in the rest of this passage is an explanation of those two sentences. Paul sharing his faith journey. And we'll spend the rest of our time now naming the principles that emerge 
for our journey. And there'll be six of them. I'm less interested in this setting, in tracing all the ins and outs of the timeline. I mean, Erica had all those different place names and people names that she was mentioning in the reading. I think that would be more befitting in like a class or lecture on Galatians. But in the preaching of Galatians, what I think we're really called to now is based on this text to pull out the principles that emerge for our own faith story. So that's the approach that we'll take. Here's principle number one. The gospel is not of human origin, but comes from God. In 1823, there was a treasure hunter in western New York State named Joseph Smith who supposedly was told by an angel named Moroni about some golden plates that were buried. The golden plates had been buried some 1,400 years earlier in a stone box that was on Joseph Smith's property in western New York. Four years after Moroni, the angel, it's not a Bible angel, by the way, so we don't find it in the Bible. This angel Moroni finally gave Joseph Smith permission to retrieve that box and the golden plates. And he forbid Joseph Smith from showing anybody the golden plates until they had been translated. To translate them, Smith took off his, remember it's 1823, so he takes off his top hat, He puts the plates in the bottom of his hat and he views them through a seer stone. And in that method, he says he was able to translate them. And when the translation is done, he titles it the Book of Mormon, which he said is the most correct of any book on earth. After the translation, Smith is said to have shown the plates to 11 witnesses before giving them back to the angel Moroni. Of course, they have never been seen since. This is the gospel of a human origin. It's a false gospel. And it's so important for us to remember the origin of the true gospel, that it is not a human invention or a hallucination. But the gospel is God's plan for salvation that he determined from eternity past to bring hope and healing to his creation that was lost in sin. So for you and I, it's very important to remember the gospel is not true because the church preaches it. But the church preaches the gospel because it is true and comes from God. God has good news for people. And so we get to receive it and share it with the world. Joseph Smith, Muhammad writing the Quran, the Buddha and his Tripitaka, and on and on. All of these must be weighed by the evidence. And it's important for you and I, without disparaging people, we must ask simply if their claims are true, just as we hold the Bible to these standards of evidence. And when we do so, it is this gospel that stands the test of truth. And then it's with conviction and compassion that we get to take this good news and share it with others. So that's principle number one. Here's number two, emerging from the text. You can be religious and still be far from God. When Paul begins his faith story in verse 13, he recounts his previous way of life 
which was in Judaism. In this story, Paul says, is well known to the Galatians, so this is just a reminder to them of how his faith journey started out. And he lists three hallmarks of those years in his life. That he actively persecuted Christians and tried to destroy the church. Secondly, he says he was a straight-A student of Judaism and well above grade level. And thirdly, he says he was extremely zealous for the traditions taught in the Pharisaic schools. That's quite the resume. He puts it a different way in Philippians 3. We won't turn there now, but I will read just a couple lines for you from Philippians 3. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, he says, faultless. Paul was religious, but he was far from God. And the same is true today. You could check all the boxes of religion, morality, even coming to church, check that box. But if you don't have the gospel, you don't have a relationship with God. The gospel is the good news that through faith reconciles our relationship with God. And that's why Jesus said in John 14, no one comes to the Father except through me. But how about if you're not religious? You know, we live in a culture and a time where, you know, we're surrounded by lots of people who are not necessarily on this faith journey that Paul was on. We live in a culture with a significant number of agnostics or those who would say, I'm spiritual but not religious, or kind of a new category in the data, the religious nuns, which means none of the above. In that case, I'll name a principle we won't put on the screen, but one I think that you might call its close cousin, and that is you can be sincere in your convictions and still be sincerely wrong. You can be sincere in your convictions and still be sincerely wrong. Paul was full of fervor, but for the wrong thing. And his fervor became destructive, self-righteous, and ultimately unfulfilling to him. And then comes the turning point in verse 15. Verse 15, it says, But when God. Notice that it is God who is the actor in Paul's faith journey. Paul was going one way. He was on this path. But when God. God is the initiator. The one who brings faith to Paul. And so it is for all of us. My journey is a lost cause until God gets a hold of me. And the amazing thing is, that starts earlier than you might think. Here's the next principle. Principle number three. God set you apart from the womb and called you by his grace. I intentionally use the second person singular in this principle, that God set you apart, that God calls you by his grace, because it is that personal. This isn't some generally true principle for the church, but it has an individual focus that really should be profoundly moving for you and I to think about. God set you apart in your mother's womb. I mean, it's just wild to think about. 
regardless if you had a positive relationship with your mom or it was complicated or if you even knew who your biological mother was, God knew you in utero. He knit you together, it says in Psalm 139. He made you. God was there superintending over that process as you took shape in your mother's womb. He already had a purpose ordained for your life before you were born. I'm aware of at least, I was trying to think through the names, at least a couple of expectant moms who are here and part of our church family. And I was just thinking what a sacred thing is being carried out inside their body. Not just the pregnancy, but God consecrating the life of that little one in the womb. The second half of the principle is that God has called you by his grace. And grace will be a key word that we'll get to more in Galatians because the Galatian error was Jesus plus the law. And that's not grace. That's righteousness by works. All the stuff that Paul was trying to do and accomplish through Judaism. Grace is Jesus and only Jesus. It is God's favor and his forgiveness purely by Jesus' work for us on the cross that I receive through faith. I believe the gospel and am made righteous through Christ. That's grace. And I want to ask you this morning, so that this doesn't stay some kind of lofty theological principle, if you personally have recognized this in your life, that God has called you by his grace and into his grace. This is not some Pauline theology that applies only to Paul and other extra holy people. But no, he calls you by his grace. If you're taking notes, 2 Timothy 1.9 would be worth looking up later. 2 Timothy 1.9 says he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Principle number four. It pleases God to reveal his Son in us. Verse 15 is ultimately driving to this point that God is pleased to reveal his Son in us. And when I was first typing up my notes, I had a typo when I got to this spot. I automatically put, to us. Usually something is revealed to someone. And then I double-checked, and sure enough, it's God revealing his Son in us. And that matches what we'd see later in Galatians 4 where Paul says, until Christ is formed in you. Galatians 4.19. And Colossians where Paul says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. So it's a significant word that it's the word in. It means God is at work on the inside of you. In your heart, in your mind, in your soul. There are construction cones up in your life. You may be aware of that, that you are a work in progress and God is happy to be about this work, shaping your life to be more like Jesus. Romans 8 said, God is conforming you to the image of his son. What does that mean? Does it mean he's like erasing you and putting Jesus in its place? No, it means he's infusing the life of Christ in you so that you become more of who he truly designed you to be. It's a beautiful dynamic. 
If there's something here that you desire, I'd encourage you to put it into a prayer. I hope there are many of us who would say, yes, Christ in me. That's what I want my life to be about. The hope of glory. We can ask God for it. You can ask him to do what in his word it says he is pleased to do. You can pray, God, would you reveal your son in me? Show me, God, more of Jesus in my life. Make me, shape me to be more like your son. All right, principle number five. We've got two left. Number five is that no one is too far gone for God. That's good news, isn't it? No one is too far gone for God. After taking us through this whole timeline of people and places, Paul references what the Judean churches are saying about him in verse 23. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. The persecutor has become the preacher. And that's quite the turnaround. And you and I can take such encouragement from this because if God can get a hold of Paul, he can get a hold of anybody. I would bet there are folks in your life, as there are in mine, who are pretty flat-out opposed or at least very disinterested in the gospel. There are people I care deeply about where the last thing they could ever imagine is surrendering their life to Christ. That was Paul. This was the guy who would have been the least one you'd expect to start following Jesus. And that's exactly what happened in his life. So I take this as encouragement to keep praying for those impossible cases. Remembering, too, that some of us were pretty impossible cases some time ago. No one is too far gone for God's grace. Number six and our last principle out of this text my journey is meant to bring God praise. So our chapter one ends and our text for today. Talking about those Judean churches, Paul says, verse 24, and they praised God because of me. So Paul's not retelling this story to draw attention to himself or to highlight his spiritual progress. But it is all and only for the praise of God. And that is exactly what God has designed your life to do. All of us were made for worship. We are all hardwired to worship something. So if not God, it'll be money or relationships or your own selfish gain or the God of a false gospel. The word to us today and in this principle is make it the aim of your life. To bring God praise. To live for His purposes and His glory. To follow His will. And when you do this, when you set out on this kind of faith journey, it'll be the most fulfilling thing that you could ever do with the years that God has given you on earth. When I think back to those family road trips, what is it I remember now What is it that remains from all those miles that we traveled? Well, sure, there are sights and sounds that will float through my memory. I remember seeing the beach 
at Cape Cod. I remember the disaster of trying to pull a camper through downtown San Francisco. But you know what I remember most of all? Of all those miles across 49 states, it's the time with my mom and dad and sister. And that is how it works in your faith journey. The gospel sets you free to spend time with God, to live for Him, to walk daily with Him, and to see the character of Christ take shape inside you. Let's bow in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we do praise you because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we thank you, Lord, this morning for setting us free by the power of the gospel. We thank you, Lord, for the invitation to follow you in every aspect of our life. And I ask, Lord, in accordance with your word, for more of your Son to be revealed in us. For even greater milestones ahead, however many years you give us, Lord, in our relationship with you, till you call us home. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.